and I look forward to seeing the, their booth every time I go to a convention. That's, That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, and there's duck. I have I have a pair of Buffy themed ones. <gasps> I miss Buffy Me too. I really fucking do. Same. Same. I really fucking miss Buffy. I never watched a single episode. It's on. <gasps> it's on Hulu. Oh my god! I was going to ask you. Mm. White Lotus. I watched the first three episodes. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it. It's like... And that's fair. I get that it's like a character study. That's all it is. I totally understand that. I still feel like... Okay. The other show... The closest show that I can compare it to in that same vein is probably Mad Men. Okay, which I never watched. Which so it, it that's it's a really good show, but it's kind of the same thing. It's just watching dudes in the fifties, sixties, and seventies be rich white dudes in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. So <laughs> it's like you know, women are not treated well, and you know they're they're very masculine and and uh, patriarchal. But I felt like when I was watching that, there was more intrigue to the characters than yeah. I find with White Lotus. It is. Always a delight seeing Steve Zahn. It's a slow burn. Which I can appreciate. I, I will probably continue. I'll probably circle back with it. But there are other shows that I have been putting off for way, way, right. way, Because you got to find out long. who's dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which you got to find out who's dead. I have a couple guesses. Who's but yours? Obviously, his wife is one. Okay. But I don't think it's her. Right. Too obvious. That's way too obvious. Way too obvious. Um... And I can't think of, I had another guess and I can't think okay. who it was or why, uh, but I think, fuck, no, yeah. I'm not going to get it. It, get it, it was not anyone even remotely who I thought it was going to be. Okay. So. Okay. And, and and the daughter and her friend are just fucking epic assholes. Yeah. Just that's horrible. The other thing. There's they're, something. They're horrible. Like when characters are fully irredeemable, I just don't give but, a fuck about them. But, and don't give a fuck about them because they both fucking suck. But they are so true to that generation. Agreed. Agreed. But okay, so I'll give you an example. Those two characters are irredeemably shitty and I don't horrible. like anything about them. Nope. But, and, and they don't redeem themselves. Flipping, either one of them. Flipping it to another show that I really, really like. All of the characters in It's Always Sunny are completely irredeemable, mm-hmm. but they're so goddamn wacky right. and funny that it, it keeps me hooked. No, and these girls to aren't more. funny. I just, they are pretentious college fucks. It's the same thing about all of the women in um, Death Proof. I don't know like, that one. That's a, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. And like the story in and of itself is cool, but every single character, and they're all women except for one. I, I just, I could not give less of a fuck about them. So yeah. it's, those kinds of characters are tough because why am I watching this show? Or why am I watching this movie? And the theme song is my favorite thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the thing, I love it. So I might, I might go, go power, back. Power through. Okay. Power through. We we shall see. And it really, it's, and it, it is really truly about just the character stories. But there is a storyline there. Mm-hmm. It's just the way he does it. It's so loosely put in there, but it's there, and it it's 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 a thing. It's it's all tied together. But I just think it's he builds so much upon the characters themselves that you 
sometimes forget, oh, wait, there's a story here. What the fuck's happening? Oh, yeah, right. somebody's dead. We got to figure this out. I do like uh, the entire Jennifer Coolidge arc. I think that's a very- Love her. I just, I just I love her in general. I want to be her. But the whole right. the whole thing, like, you gave me such a good experience. I'm just going to buy your business and let you run it. It's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Someone that has no more money than anything she, than anything else. Right. So, but that, t- that there's a twist there, too. I'm sure there yep, is. Yep, you got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. keep going. And then the way that they brought her into the second season, there is a, there's a huge tie-in to the first season. Okay. So, anyway, we're recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. What do you think about White Lotus? Mm -hmm. Let us know. And welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes, a paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spoopy, Mm -hmm. cryptids, aliens, motherfucking witchcraft, murder most fucking foul, space ocean, definitely, definitely. old ladies like me who have no business staying up till goddamn near 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. A hoe is tired. (laughs) I would would like to throw in an edit to that intro. Yeah. uh, A true crime paranormal podcast. Yeah. Because there is... There is a lot of stuff that we talk about that has nothing to do with the paranormal. It's true. You're right. It's true. It's true. Like, whenever I tell people what the podcast is, I say it's true True crime crime and paranormal. paranormal. I do, too. Except for So why have I never fucking said it? Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's, right. it's it's both of those things. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna You okay? Gonna... You good? Yeah. <laughs> gonna... Lost her footing on her words there. Sure did. Uh, <laughs> crappens. We expect it by this point. Gonna... By I'm now, gonna... tis expected. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, guess what? I'm D. Oh, I'm C. There's Randall on the ones and twos. Yeah. We always forget that. Yeah. See I mean you? not who we are, but to say who people. We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes people are just popping in and they're like, hey, I'm going to start with this episode because the title's fucking hilarious. I just, and they're like, who I the really fuck are these people? I really wish you left the last one. I was, was so what was it? close. So it, was, it was basically just, uh, it was a hodgepodge of letters and vowels. I think I still have it. Yeah, no, oh, the Jesus screenshot's in there. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you um, should read it off. I'm gonna, it was, let me find it. Was it. The first thing I could find of, or I could find of. Wow. Wow. Did oh, you hear? I, I did. Sure did. I did. Did you hear that? I yeah. did. I said, find of. Did you? Yeah. Uh, Good you sure lord. Did. Is, it, it is, is it tired in here? <laughs> uh, I think you need to read it because you're going to read oh, sing so. it. Here. Oh, no, I'll, I'll pull it up on here. Okay, I was going to say, I already had it pulled up, but I, because when I read that, I read it in your voice, singing it. Yeah, and as was the idea. Good, because that's exactly what happened, and it'll be way funnier if you. Uh, so the title, as and this was this was, I think I uploaded this at like two thirty in the morning, something like that, or something like that. Uh, so it was. <laughs> kiss from a rose on the blip. Yeah, it was really good. I it was really it was super close. I almost left it. I really almost did. Baby, I really, really almost did. What made you change it? I don't know. I don't know. But it was. There have been some times where I put him in, and you have trouble, and it makes it's, me. It makes yes, me laugh. it's true. That one I think is like the, the closest. The closest. There has been one that I did leave, but I do not remember what it was. Do not ask me. I'll I'll look through. I might remember. No, it was a. 
Yeah. You know, it was a really Fuck long, your memory. It was a really no, long won't. time ago, is the thing. Like, That's right, no. You won't find it, because it was a, so long ago, is the point. All of the episodes are online. Um, oh, that's true. Hey, do we have any backhoes? Yeah, always. Yeah. Generally always. Yeah, well, oh, hey, I got one. So, last week when I was talking about Old Sparky, yeah. uh, in reference to Florida, if you thought you heard me keep saying Old Smoky and Old Sparky, it's because I did. Oh, good. So, why? I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Oh, Couldn't tell be, you, but I did. It might be an infinity scarf of red flags. No, that was something I said. Okay. You're right. I'm not going to remember. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. F to the Y to the I, I. Um, oh, as far as backhoes. Yeah, what you got? First, shout out to uh, Chris Shaggy B for joining us on Law Patroon. Hey, thank you. Buddy, all your stuff is in La Mail. And I've seen he's he's got us hanging in his office at sure work. Does. He does. He does. He does. He sent us photos of that, which is fucking it awesome. It might be suck ass 24-7. Suck ass it 24-7. That sounds like be. something I'd put. Um, I mean, fair. And then, much like Kimberly, I apparently cannot read. Ah. Because we will be presenting at Fan Expo at 11 and we will be done at 11.45. If Word. you show up at 11.45, we will not be there anymore. Oh, we will be yeah, done. Yeah, I was going to show up 15 minutes before, yeah. before show. I should edit that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. We go on at 11. We got to be there at 10.30? Oh, yeah, around there. Sure. Um, and then? And then? Every fucking time. Um, I found and out. Then, and then, and then. I already told you, but I got to tell everybody I've ever met or listening this is everyone that's ever listened to the show coolio has a cookbook and i need it yeah. um because fucking so, coolio so i was watching hot ones yes. the other night the I love gordon ramsay one the first one and uh, i think it might have been the yeah, second and one and okay. he was he was uh <laughs> he was going on and on said, fuck you fuck you oh yeah he goes have you ever killed anybody and the guy, and he goes, well, we haven't heard from Coolio in a while. And, and I videotaped and I sent it to her to and I'm laughing hysterically because I'm an asshole. I was like, that's because he's dead now. That makes it funny. It's not funny that Coolio's dead. But no. it's funny that, you know, Coolio, they mentioned when, when, him. when he was on Hot Ones, I think he damn near shat himself. So I he had to, he had to so. run to the toilet. And but then. Yeah. Um, and that episode was. Obviously, a few years before he. Obviously pre Coolio's death. But, and so I had to Google and figure out. I'm like, I know it was before, but I need to know when it was. And then the internet was like, also, did you know that Coolio had a cookbook? My guy like, did not know that. We do now. We do now. And I need it immediately because yeah. there's a recipe in there for something called karate meat. And I have Straight several up. questions. So many questions. There is no answers to be found on the internet. It does not tell me what it is. I just know that right. it's a thing. Um and I watched uh, Top Gun Maverick. She did. She told night. me that too. Tears, bawling. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very spiritual thing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And it pisses me. Fuck you. First of all, fuck fuck you, Tom Cruise, for making me believe that you're a normal human being. Mm. So fuck you. That's just because he's a good actor. I he guess. is a good actor. He's Captain also, Pete Mitchell. He's also a pilot. Captain Pete Mitchell's just the fucking best pilot that ever lived. Yeah, he does like all of that himself. 
His stunts, yes. Yeah, and and his flights. Yeah. Yeah. The real low to the ground shit. He had, uh, he was in the back seat of the plane, and and uh, guy that flies for the Blue Angels actually mm. did like the stunt uh, shit. Sure. But yeah, no. Every single one of those actors, when they show them in the air, they're in the air, mm-hmm. but they're in the back instead of the front. Mm-hmm. And there's actually and they set up like dummy controls real, for them or something. Oh, no, they've got real pilots flying it. No, no, no. I'm saying like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They got real stunt pilots. And I got super excited because I had to find out like because I'm watching these like these like stunts and I was like fucking big dick energy going on up in there and then I saw their faces and I was like. <laughs> you don't look like Maverick or Goose or Iceman. Fine. No. Fine. Um, so, anyway. I have, I have one yeah, more. Yeah, I, I went down the research hole real big. Okay. So fucking I good, though. Would. I don't know why I tried to. So fucking good. Um, I also <sighs> so found good. I have one more. Yes. Like, so random that this popped up. As random as me watching my... Top Gun Maverick? No, that makes sense <laughs> to me. Um, but it just popped up on my Facebook news and I was like, hey, I know that name. And I was like, oh yeah, that's because I covered this motherfucker. And I said, and this was a while ago now that I covered this story, uh-huh. uh, but I said I'd give an update when I had one. And now I do. Mm-hmm. So there's a little update on Washington's forgotten serial killer. Warren Leslie Forrest. Oh, go on. Because when I was, when I covered him, um, he had not yet gone to trial for one of the murders he had committed. Mm-hmm. And now he has. Oh, boy. He was found guilty for killing 17-year-old Martha Morrison almost 50 years ago. Good. Yes. Good. So, Which... Obviously, was going to happen. Right. But the law is slow. The law is The law is slow. slow. But... Fuck you, bruh. Yeah. And I mean, her blood was found on the airsoft gun or dart gun right. that he had been using. Her blood was there. So it's clearly, clearly, he was guilty of it. Um, and he will be sentenced. Let's see. Uh... On February 17th. Oh, okay. So he hasn't been sentenced yet, but he has been charged. Good. Yes. Fuck you, bro. Good. He'll be sentenced. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good. 17th, so. Good. That. Good, good, good. I mean, he's already in there forever. Fuck that guy. So. Fuck yes. that guy. Something hard and sandpapery. Straight up. But yeah. I was excited to see that. I'm like, good. Good. That's where you belong. You fucking turd. Yeah. 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 Yes, and I go first today. Yes, you do. You got to finish that off. Sure do. I sure do. So, brief rundown. Suzanne von Richtofen. Mm-hmm. Parents are murdered. Yes. Guess what? She did it. Oh, yeah. Her boyfriend. And his brother mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now I'm going to tell you how. Oh, boy. Just prepare. Mm, be prepared. Yeah, because it's going to get a little, a little gross. Okay. So 
uh, on the morning of October 30th, 2002, life at the Von Richtofen home was going on as usual. Mm-hmm. Suzanne went to school, came home, nothing at all out of the ordinary. Meanwhile, Daniel, um, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. found two hollow metal pipes and filled them with wood to make them heavier. Jesus. And waited. That's not necessary, bro. It's not. It's already a metal pipe, my guy. Yeah. That evening at around 9.30, Suzanne snuck out and drove her Volkswagen Golf to the Crevinos' home to pick up Daniel. Of course she drove a Golf. That was my first car. Fucking of course <laughs> she did. 1995 Volkswagen Golf. Uh-huh. That thing was a beast. I wanted a rabbit so bad when I was in high school. I wanted a Volkswagen Cabriolet real bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But anyway, she went to pick up Daniel. Uh, they got high on paint thinner glue and weed. I don't... Okay. Uh, discussed their plan one more time. Went back to the Von Richtofen home to get Andres, her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, they snuck him out of the house and took him to the internet cafe, where Christian, Daniel's brother, had spent the entire day leaving just before Andres walked in, um, where he'd spend the next handful of hours playing games with his friends. Suzanne and Daniel met up with Christian and went back to her house. By now, it was around midnight. They crept into the garage where Suzanne supplied the brothers with surgical gloves. Mm -hmm. And they also donned pantyhose on their head so they wouldn't leave any physical evidence behind. They really thought they were going to get away with this. Yeah, they did. Uh, Suzanne then went inside, turned off the alarm system, and went to check and make sure that her parents were asleep. After confirming that they were, she turned on a light, which was the signal that let Daniel and Christian know it was go time. So they entered the home and went straight to Manfred and Mauricia's bedroom. And again, FYI, here is where it's about to get pretty rough. Okay. Uh, Christian stood over Mauricia while Daniel waited on Manfred's side of the bed. The brothers then began beating the sleeping couple with their modified iron bars. Oof. Uh, The autopsy report would show that Mauricia's fingers on one hand had been broken, leading the medical examiner to believe that she'd woken up during the initial attack and tried to shield her head and face with her hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once the brothers were finished bludgeoning Suzanne's parents, panic set in. Uh, Mauricia was still alive. Uh Uh-oh. At least that's what they thought. It sounded like she was snoring, uh, when in reality, it was the sound of her tongue obstructing her airway as she died. Good. Like a death rattle, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess terrible. when someone is unconscious, the the jaw and everything relaxes, relaxes. and your tongue just goes boop. So, uh, so uh, sleep apnea happens too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all right. mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so that is the thing. And they were like, oh shit. Uh-oh. Right. Um. So... Not knowing that this was a thing, mm-hmm. Daniel ran to the bathroom and returned with two wet towels that he tossed over the couple's faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound continued, so Daniel went down to the kitchen and returned with a pitcher of water and proceeded to try and drown them. Oof. Didn't work. What? Yeah. Yeah. In a last-ditch attempt to kill Mauricia, they tied a plastic bag around her head. Oh, buddies. Yeah. Once she'd stopped breathing completely, everything went quiet, causing Suzanne to leave her spot on the sofa and ask the brothers if they were done. Oh, Jesus. Wow. She just... None fucks. No, she just walked up to them. It's like, done? Wow. Yeah. Little sociopath. 
now that the deed was officially done, Christian started freaking out. Suzanne went to his side and told him, Calm down, Chris. Stay calm. You did not take anything from me. You gave me a new life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then they went through the bedroom and ransacked it in order to make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Suzanne had already told the brothers where all her parents' valuables were kept, so it wasn't difficult to spread them around the room or keep a few trinkets for themselves. Uh, Suzanne retrieved her father's revolver from the false-bottomed bathroom drawer and placed it next to his body to make it look like he had been trying to grab a gun to fight off an intruder. She then took a knife, pried open her father's briefcase, and removed $8,000 cash. Oof. Okay. And I believe it was a mix of... um, U.S. dollars and hence the other currency. There you go. Uh, Then she went into the library and spread some paperwork around, but didn't do a very good job, if you'll remember. Uh It was just kind of like fanning them out a little bit. Uh, From written descriptions, it really just sounded like she fanned out whatever papers were sitting on the desk and was like, yeah, that's fine. Sure. This definitely looks like somebody was trying to rob the house. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, once the burglary had been staged poorly, uh, Suzanne collected the murder weapons and everything the brothers had been wearing in a plastic bag, and they left the house to create their alibis. Okay. The bag of bloody clothing and the iron bars uh, were discarded somewhere along the way. Um, Christian was dropped off at a fast food restaurant, while Suzanne and Daniel checked into the presidential suite of a motel for $300, Oof, which right. Daniel paid for in cash and made sure to ask for an invoice Okay, to make yeah. it, you know. Paper trail. Be like, look, see, we were, yeah, you checked in at like a super early in the morning, yeah. you fucking dum-dums. Paper trail and alibi. Yeah, like he made it a hard point to right. get that receipt, which is... Silly. Um, Over the next couple hours, they took a dip in the hotel pool, got high, had some snacks. Uh, They checked out shortly before 3 a.m., which was around the same time that Andres was logging out of his session at the Internet Cafe. Why bother checking into a hotel for three hours? Right? Like, if you... I'm not telling anybody how to get away with murder, but, like, you would think... If you're trying to create an alibi like that, you would go to the motel stay there earlier in the day and check in. Yeah, and fucking stay there. Like, you know, before you do the crime. So you'd be like, see, I was staying at this motel. Right. I was already, I was there. And then, because obviously law enforcement's going to know right. when somebody was murdered in their own home. On the coroner and medical examiners, and be like, mm, judging by this, I can tell you that they died at this time. Right. It's just teenage dummies. Well, she was a teenager. They were older, but still. Still. Young dum dums. So. Young, common, full of dumb. But, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so they went and picked up Andres at the Internet Cafe and drove back to the Von Richtofen home. Again, some reports say that Suzanne dropped Daniel off at his home before she picked up Andres, but either way, Daniel placed a call to the police on his girlfriend's behalf at 4.09 a.m. Okay. Once it came out that Suzanne had been the mastermind behind her parents' deaths, poor little Andres was 
beside himself. Oh man. So he was only fifteen. Yeah. His sister. And she was kind of like a second mom to him. Older sister, right. That's yeah. fucked up. Uh he allegedly told her, Sue, I lost my father, I lost my mother. I do not want to lose my sister. I forgive you and I will stay with you. Oh, wow. I know. Uh, he wouldn't be away from her for too long due to a Brazilian law where criminals are sentenced to house arrest until their trial if they weren't actually caught in the middle of committing said crime. Okay. Um, so, like, unless you're caught red-handed, you are put on house arrest until your trial. Okay. Instead of waiting in jail. So, okay. Sure. Um, but she was away for a little bit, and the day before she returned home to begin her house arrest and await trial, someone spray-painted the word bitch on the side of the von Richtofen home. Wow. Yeah. As we know, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, the law doesn't always work swiftly, and it was no different in 2002 Sao Paulo. So Suzanne's trial wouldn't officially begin until July of 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah, four years. In the meantime, she filed a lawsuit in order to gain full control over her parents' estate. Mm, which I bet she did. Right, which was valued at over $5 million U.S. million at the time. She almost won, but investigators found a gun hidden inside of a teddy bear in her room wow. and assumed that Suzanne would have killed Andres to get his half of their parents' money. So they were like, hmm, no, that's a, no, it's not going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Uh, prosecutors would later discover two Swiss bank accounts that had been opened in 2001 under Suzanne's name with about 10 million euros just sitting there. That's a lot of euros. That's roughly 16 and a half million U.S. dollars today. It's a lot of euros, bro. Uh, it's assumed that her father had been embezzling money from Dursa and opened the accounts himself, but we'll probably never know for sure mm -hmm. um, And because there wasn't enough evidence to continue investigating the matter, and it was dropped. So okay. that was a thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, before the trial started, there was quite the media circus surrounding the case. Did this beautiful young woman really mastermind the murder of her parents? Yes. Or had she been manipulated into the unthinkable by her money-hungry boyfriend? No. Agreed. Um, and that, that consensus would be reached soon enough. Um, in one TV interview, Suzanne said that it was a competition of ideas. I was part of it, but the three of us figured it out. I think Christian knew less about the situation, but unfortunately, the same cannot be said for Daniel and me. It's part of my life, my story, and I regret it. But it should come as no surprise to learn that in the lead up to the trial, all three of them tried to pin the blame on one another. Oh, I bet they did. Like a game of hot potato. Yeah. Um, sympathy for the now 23-year-old Suzanne waned, however, after one unfortunate interview in April of 2006, it really went to shit for her. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, she'd been dressed in a pink Minnie Mouse t-shirt with colorful clips in her hair, making her appear much younger, in a bid to grab as much sympathy from the public before the trial started in June. It was delayed and then moved to July. 
Um, she put on the waterworks and held on tightly to her attorney, oh, uh, God. Denivaldo Barney. She held on to his arm oh, during the interview. Um, Denivaldo, by the way, was a family friend of the von Richtofen's, mm, mm-hmm. allegedly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the crocodile tears flowed, and she claimed that Daniel had destroyed her life by taking away, quote-unquote, her most precious family, okay. and that he'd also taken her virginity and forced her to do drugs almost every day. Ah, yes, yeah. forced, got it. Yep. Uh, the interview continued the next day, this time with Suzanne wearing another childish T-shirt, this time featuring... A panda. Oh, God. Before the interview started officially, her attorney pulled her aside and told her how she needed to act and what to say about Daniel. What neither of them realized, Suzanne was wearing a hot mic. A.K.A. Oh, boy, she was wired. Her microphone was already turned on and recording. Mm-hmm. The crew captured her attorney telling her that she needed to, and this was a quote, start to cry and say you do not want to talk anymore. Mm. So, of course, they released the recording, which basically put a nail in Suzanne's case. Yeah. Like, uh uh-oh. That, nope, all bad. All All bad. bad. Like, that really did not make her look good. It shouldn't have, because... Shouldn't look good in the first place. Exactly. It just made her look even worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, when the trial began, Suzanne showed nearly no emotion, aside from laughing out loud at one point during the proceedings, which lasted a total of six days. Uh, the Corvinius brothers were quite the opposite, as both of them were rather emotional. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne and Daniel had stayed together for a little while after their arrest, but did inevitably split in the years leading up to the trial. Uh, Daniel claimed that Suzanne had told him she wanted to kill her parents a year into their relationship. And if you remember, they had been together for, I want to say, two, maybe two and a half years by the time this happened. So he was like, no, she started saying this a long time ago. Right. Um, he also claimed that her parents were alcoholics with violent and abusive tendencies towards their kids. Okay. He went as far... Uh, He went so far as to say that he'd witnessed Mauricia throw something at Suzanne's head when she'd asked for some ice cream at a barbecue. Okay. Um, Both Andres and Suzanne denied the allegations, and the toxicology report performed on the von Richtofen's after their deaths showed no signs of alcohol in their systems. Um, Daniel would also claim that Suzanne was the one to introduce him to drugs, and that whenever she got high, she would plan different ways to kill her parents. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, during Suzanne's testimony, she tried to paint Daniel as a controlling boyfriend, and she was nothing more than a young girl in love that would have done anything to keep her boyfriend from leaving her. Um, she went on to claim that her father had slapped her once, and this was when Daniel came up with the idea that her parents needed to be killed. Jesus. Um, she said that my father, in the midst of discussion, slapped me in the face, something he had never done, never raised his hand to me. Daniel tried in every way to destroy that beautiful image I had of my father. In fact, I wanted to be close to him um, and that my parents would accept him. Remember, these are translated right, from right, right, another right. language. Um, 
but that was something that could not happen. He was showing me day after day that I did not have that option. Either it was him or my parents. And according to her account of the night her parents were murdered, we got home, I went inside, went to my parents' bedroom, they were asleep. Then I went down, turned on the light. I told them they could go. And I sat on the couch with my hands covering my ears. I did not want my parents to die. I did not want it. But then I realized that there was nothing I could do, that it was too late. Wow. Yeah. Ultimately, all three of them were found guilty of first-degree murder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian Cravinos was sentenced to 38 years in prison, while both Suzanne and Daniel were sentenced to 40 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Following the sentencing, prosecutor... Roberto Tardelli weighed in on the matter, saying that Suzanne had simply wanted to, and this is a quote, get her hands on the money and assets her parents had worked so hard to obtain. Uh, She wanted her freedom and independence without having to work for it. These are two young people who have acted selfishly, ambitiously. They killed without mercy. And that other one who united for stupidity, for money, for gain, which is a defect of the human soul. And Suzanne would go on to be described as the personification of the evil blonde. Ooh, shit. All right. Yeah. For the first seven months of her incarceration, Suzanne was kept in solitary confinement. And in both 2009 and 2011, she appealed the courts to have her sentence commuted to house arrest, but was denied both times. They were like, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, thank you. Uh, Andres, who had gone to live with his maternal grandmother and an uncle, was the only family member who ever visited Suzanne in prison. Um, The teen also faced public scrutiny for a letter he'd sent to a local paper, which read, Not only did I forgive my sister Sue, but I still love her. Now especially, it is the moment she most needs love. In spite of the pain, I am sure that her parents have forgiven her. Just yesterday, I heard a phrase that struck me. Humanity must walk together in search of the civilization of love. Uh, He would go on to study at the University of Sao Paulo, like his parents, Mm -hmm. and get his doctorate in chemistry. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think he was going to be like a pharmacist. Cool. Um, Over the years, his visits to Suzanne stopped. Mm. Uh, The last time they actually saw each other was sometime in 2006. Ooh, that's a long time. Not long after the trial, I'm sure, was the last time that he went to see her. Um, He sent another statement to the papers after some gentle urging from family members and Roberto Tardelli. Hmm. Um, Andres' safety was a major concern, which I will get to. And it was even recommended that he leave Brazil and go to Europe. Oh, wow. Um, It was also heavily suggested that he draft a will that excluded his sister from taking over any of his estate. Uh Um, In his statement, Andres discussed both his sister and the allegations of his father's alleged secret Swiss bank accounts, writing, I understand that your anger and indignation toward these three murderers is immense, and much of society shares that feeling. And me too. It's disgusting. If there are accounts abroad, present the evidence, show them what they are and where they are, because I also want to know and understand that your position and prestige fully qualify for it. But if this is nothing more than malicious rumors and there is no evidence, may you retract the allegations and keep quiet about it, so as not to let the baseness and cruelty of this crime erroneously stain the reputation of people who are no longer here to defend themselves. My parents Manfred and Mauricia von Richtofen. 
Damn. So like, give me evidence or just yeah. shut the fuck up, basically. Yeah. Um, in 2011, Andre sued Suzanne for her half of their inheritance and was ultimately rewarded $300,000 from their father's life insurance. Okay. In 2017, Andres was arrested for breaking into a house, which he claimed was, and this was his quote to the police, by order of the emperor. I'm sorry? Yeah, he broke into a house and they were like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing it because the emperor told me to. What emperor would that be? Couldn't tell you. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, He was taken to a local hospital where records state that the 29-year-old was admitted with precarious hygiene, a glazing look... And that he let out some, quote-unquote, unmotivated laughs. Oh, no. Yeah. He admitted that he was paranoid and that he was afraid someone would kill him. Why? But he wasn't medicated for any psychiatric conditions at the time. Um, After being treated for minor injuries sustained during the break-in, Andres was transferred to a psychiatric hospital. As of now, I'm not sure where he is. But I hope he's doing well. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dropped his basket. Well, that. Well, that. And that was in 2017. Yeah. From what I could find. like recent enough. Yeah, recent enough. From what I could find, he, um, yeah, he was kept in the the psychiatric hospital for a while. Mm -hmm. For a while. Um... In Brazilian law, there's a program for inmates known as semi-abierto, or half-open, for inmates who have a record of good behavior and have served at least one-sixth of their sentences. Both Cravinho's brothers and Suzanne were all part of this program, which allowed them more freedom inside the prison and out of it. Oh, Yes, because prisoners who are eligible for the program are allowed a total of six day releases on certain holidays like Christmas, Easter, New Year's, and both Mother, Mother's and Father's Days. What? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the public caught wind of Suzanne von Richtofen being out of prison on those holidays, mm-hmm. Mother's Day and Father's Day, they were a little upset. Especially when it was discovered that she hadn't even bothered to visit her parents' graves on either occasion. Wow, okay. Um, Like, no remorse. None. None. None at all. And there was a caretaker to the cemetery where they're buried that said that he doesn't think anybody has ever visited their graves. Too bad. Yeah. Um, So that aside, people were rightfully pissed that this happened. Um. This allowance is also why I mentioned people feared for Andreas's safety, but it doesn't seem like Suzanne made any attempts to see her brother during these outings either. But after finding a gun hidden in a teddy bear, I can see why they were a little concerned that yes. she was taking part in this program. Yes. Um, Christian Cravinos wound up impregnating an old girlfriend during one of his day releases. Oh, good. But vowed to change his ways in order to be there for his now growing family. 42-year-old Christian was released in August of 2017, but returned to prison seven and a half months later after he was accused of assaulting an ex-girlfriend and attempting to bribe the police to keep the incident hush-hush. Sounds about right. Yeah. If that's the same girlfriend that he got pregnant, I don't know. Mm. She was not named in any of the articles I was looking at. But either way, 
he assaulted someone and then tried to bribe a police officer to be like, hey, you didn't see anything. You didn't, you know, this didn't happen. Right. They're like, uh, let's go back to prison, buddy. Right. As for Daniel, he ended up falling in love with his cellmate's scientist sister, <laughs> Aline Da Silva, during one of her visits to the prison. Right. Uh, they would wind up married, and in 2018... After serving 15 years for his part in the murder of the Von Richtofens, he was released and seems to be living quietly with his wife. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, The same can't fully be said of Suzanne, however. While in prison, she began a relationship with her cellmate, uh, Sandra Regina Luce, a.k.a. Sandra Bleed, who had been sentenced to 27 years in prison for the murder of her 14-year-old neighbor, uh... Talison De Castro. I might be Tyson. Sure. De Castro. Yeah, she kidnapped this child for ransom and then killed them. Not cool, bro. Nah. Their relationship ended when Sandra was transferred to another facility. Uh, it's been rumored that the now red-haired Suzanne had quite a few illicit relationships with people in power, namely a doctor and her own attorney... Denny Valdo Barney. Oh. Uh, Andres spoke on the strange relationship that Suzanne and the attorney seemed to have, saying, if this Barney was really my father's friend, how had I never heard of him before the crime? Huh. That's a really good question. A really good question. Really good. Um, really good. <laughs> really good. Investigative reporter... Uh, Valmir Solaro shared some insight on a show called Conversation with Bial in 2019, saying, Obviously, I won't name names, but I know two stories, that of a prosecutor and a doctor. A prosecutor fell in love with Suzanne in the interior of Sao Paulo and even asked the prison director to take Suzanne out of the cell and take her to the office he set up at the public prosecutor's office as if it were a nightclub with music, light, snacks, and snacks for her under the pretext of giving testimony. Snacks. So he, like, set up this this office to make it look like a fucking club for her. That is so weird. It is very weird. So weird. Um, Of the doctor, he said that he was denounced by jailers and prison officials who said he um, protected Suzanne. I went to talk to this doctor who uh, attended me together with his wife. So I'm assuming met with sure, sure. met his wife with him. Uh, the bell rang and his wife went to answer. At that moment, he tells me, I know why you're here. It's because of Suzanne. So if you ask in front of my wife, you will end my marriage. Oh. His wife came back, sat down, and I talked about the penitentiary crisis. So. <laughs> the crisis. Like, tell me without telling me. Right. And so. He did, basically. Um, In an interview with Marie Claire, Suzanne revealed that she had decided to finish out her education and that she wanted to be a wife and mother, saying, I made a mistake, I'm paying for it, and I want to restart my life. Okay. In 2016, her half-open privileges were revoked for noncompliance with the prison's disciplinary requirements. Couldn't find what exactly that entailed, but... May have had something to do with her divorced boyfriend on the outside, but that's just me speculating. Because mm-hmm. she was dating someone mm-hmm. at this point. Um, in 2018, a request of freedom for Suzanne was denied. 
with the judge citing the results of a psychological evaluation as the reason. The test confirmed that she had a narcissistic personality disorder. There it is. And that she was still considered a danger to others. A similar test had been administered in 2014 and found the same thing. And it was recorded that she showed, and this is a quote from the report, high egocentrism, childish behavior, possibility of emotional lack of control, narcissistic and manipulative personality, camouflaged aggressiveness, and omnipotence. Huh. Yeah. It's um, quite the quite the laundry list there. Oh yeah. Several books were written about Suzanne and the von Richthofen murders over the years. Uh she became a meme kind of where they would um photoshop her face into Orange is the New Black. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up, but funny. Real fucked up. Um and in 2021, two movies about the case were released in Brazil, uh The Girl Who Killed Her Parents and The Boy Who Killed My Parents. They're kind of like bookend movies basically where it's like okay. it's the same cast I believe and the same story just told from different perspectives got it I believe um yeah I don't know if you can watch them here but yeah. they exist if you feel like you need They're to see them and as of January 11th 2023 oh that's real recent Suzanne von Richthofen has been released from prison on probation after serving 20 years. Oh, shit. And that is Suze the story is out. of Suzanne von Richthofen and the von Richthofen family murders. Yeah, she out. Wow. She out now. Like out, out. Out, out. I mean, she's on probation, but yeah, she out. She's some goddamn way. And that money in the Swiss bank accounts, mm -hmm. she can, I, legally, she has full access to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's just chilling. Yeah. And that I couldn't find anything else. I mean, because obviously it literally just happened. She just got released. Right. So there's not a whole lot of information that I could find about, you know, where she's at <laughs> right, right now. Um, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she's got millions. Yeah. If they let Fuck, her, bro. if they let her access that money. Yep. Not even fair. No. Millions of dollars. Wow. Yeah. Millions. Millions. Uh, my sources, Spiegel.de, Grunge.com, uh, Luana Ferreira, Medium.com, Professor Plum, which, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Wikipedia, G1.globo.com, Laura Liming, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Laura... Leimig, mm -hmm. um, a staff article, and then another article by Will Soares, dailystar.co.uk, Liam McInerney, mm -hmm. crimereads.com, Tori Telfer, Murderpedia, <laughs> jc.ne10.uol.com.br. Wow. <laughs> Rafael Guerrera, it was for the Journal de Comercio, uh, super.abril.com.br. Sure. Danilo Cesar Cabral, tvefomosos.uol.com.br, Gilvan Marquez, ancestors.familysearch.org, evidencelockerpodcast.com, Noel Vincent and Sonia Lowe, murderiseverywhere.blogspot.com, Leighton Monday, uh, oh boy, Canal Ciencias Criminas.justbrazil.com.br, it's the Criminal Sciences Channel. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Criminal Broads podcast, episode 36, The Evil Blonde by Tori Telfer. <laughs> Evil and, Blonde. And the Evidence Locker podcast, episode 7, The Von Richtofen Family Murders, as told by Noel Vinson. Wow. And again, thank you to Leticia for suggesting this hometown story. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. She out. Wow. She out. Wow. She had 20 years? Yeah. She so is she's like 40, 40. She's in her 40s. 46, I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. That. All right. Fuck her. <laughs> Fuck her. Well, yes. um, I have a story. Oh, good. Yeah. Um. So today I'm going to tell a tragic love story. Okay. That ended with a beautiful young woman losing her mind. Oh, no. Committed to the Adams County Almshouse, or Poorhouse, from 1860 to 1904, Rhoda Derry scratched out her own eyes, punched out her own teeth, oh, and ate anything she could get her hands on. But how did she get to that point? Well, I'm going to tell you. Please. So, Rhoda Derry was born on October 10th, 1834, in Fayette County, Indiana. That's the my young- mom's name. Oh, yes, it is. The youngest of nine children of Jacob and Rachel Derry. Yeah. The family would later move to farmland in Adams County, Illinois, in Lima Township, which is about 10 miles north of Quincy along the Mississippi River. In her late teens, Rhoda fell in love with a neighbor boy named Charles Phoenix. Well, Mama Phoenix was not okay with their courtship due to Rhoda's family associations with the motherfucking witchcraft. Uh-oh. You see, Rhoda's grandmother was a woman named Mary Derry, who had been one of the most famous witches of Fayette County. Um, Mary Mall, as she went by, and her husband, Hessian soldier Valentine Felty, came to America with the British Army at the time of the Revolutionary War. So let's talk about her for a minute. Okay. So Mary Molly Derry was born in Germany in 1760. And when she and Valentine came to the Americas during the Revolutionary War, they settled in Harpers Ferry, Virginia for a brief time. And then they later moved up north to Somerset County, eventually settling in Georgia's Township, Fayette County, Pennsylvania. It's believed that in Molly's early days, the young wife and mother lived an enchanting life filled with magic that uh, quickly made her become known as a witch to all encountered her and became fi- they all became familiar with her strange powers of healing and being able to see the future. Farmers would go to Moll for advice on how best to treat their sick animals. Young women would go to her for love spells. And the town basically depended on her for the prevention of diseases and uh, her help when loved ones would become seriously ill. Molly Derry always seemed to be in good health, so the townspeople felt... I said hell. Good (laughs) health. I am tired. Um, So the townspeople felt that they were in good hands with her herbal cures and advice. Okay. So the records show that Valentine and Moll had seven children over a period of two decades. The oldest child, Basil, was born April 1793. Then Jacob, who was Rhoda's father, born in 1795. Then three years later, a daughter, Barbara, in 1798. Four more children added to the growing clan with Philip who was born at the turn of the century, Jeremiah, two years later, and then a second daughter, Rhoda, who I'm assuming Jacob's daughter was named after. She was born in 1804. And then lastly, Mary, 
1811. So Maul kept doing her thing, telling fortunes, removing hexes and curses, while casting a few of her own, as one does. Uh, the witch was quick to help anyone in need, but she would damn those who dared to cross her, and word spread throughout the area. Maul soon became the most well-known witch in western Pennsylvania, with some folks even believing that she could fly. Hmm. So as she grew more powerful around the area, there were some that started to fear her, but for those who believed in her magical cures, they all considered her basically a saint. So sick and troubled people, they'd go to see her, praying for an answer or a cure for whatever ailed them, and she was becoming a local legend, so much so that the locals referred to her as the fortune teller of the revolution, or the the witch of Monongalea. Hmm. So naturally, people wondered about her past and where and how she had gotten her powers, and it's believed that they came from the traditions that she was taught in her home country of Germany. Like many ancient peoples, Germanic tribes relied on their many customs, included faith healing and mystics, and it was those German immigrants that brought that to Pennsylvania with what we know now know as powwow folk magic, oh. which we have spoken about before. Any hoops? Like too many witches throughout history, it's all great until someone ignores good advice and a crop fails or an animal gets sick, and then the local witch is the fucking problem, right? Yep. Yeah, and then, you know, there were stories of bad things happening to people who didn't listen to her, um, and much of... The change of tune towards Maul was from the farmers whose animals became sick despite her trying to help them. They became kind of hateful toward Maul and unappreciative of her goodwill. Three particular farmers continued to fuck with her and piss her off, and well, they Don't all found that. yeah, they all found themselves at the end of a noose, just as she told them they would if they didn't stop talking shit. So it's believed that Maul cursed the men, but nobody really knows for sure because uh, she was more known for her acts of kindness. And one well-known story that involved an act of kindness involved a very dire warning that she gave a woman named Polly Williams to be aware of her fiancé's plans to kill her. Uh-oh. Specifically by throwing her over the white rocks located in Fairchance, Pennsylvania. Very fucking specific. Well, Polly didn't listen, and not long after the warning, her body was indeed discovered at the bottom of White Rocks. Oh, no. Right. So eventually the witch of Fayette County earned the title of Old Mall Dairy due to her becoming fucking actually old and her wisdom that healed so many people over the years. Mall is a big part of the history of both of both Fayette and Somerset County, and she died of old age in the spring of 1843 at the age of 83. So, now, despite the fact that Rhoda's granny was a well-known witch um, and healer, uh, she was oddly enough deathly afraid of witches. So, huh. right. So when Charles Phoenix who's all smitten with Rhoda and wants to marry her, told his mother that he planned to marry her. Mama Phoenix was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and the legend... the fuck not. I think the fuck not. And um, legend is that she threatened to bewitch Rhoda if uh -oh. she did not leave Charles alone. 
So with Rhoda's fear of witches, some believe that it was this threat that was the foundation of her eventual madness because Rhoda had her first mental breakdown, a big old mentee bee, shortly afterward. Uh And soon she was convinced that an evil spirit named Old Scratch was haunting her, telling her family that... Isn't that a nickname for the devil? Old Scratch? Yep, 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 yep. It is. Um, and she was convinced that, um, let's see, yeah, telling her family that days after the curse was placed on her, she spotted Satan lurking in physical form, something like a wild beast, which she believed was the old scratch. Uh. Right. So later, um, what? <laughs> what? What? What am I doing? Where am I? Hold on. Later. Ha ha. There we go. Hey, I'm tired. Later, while visiting one of her sisters, Rhoda said that she could see Mrs. Phoenix in the corner and that she believed the old woman would torment her as long as she lived and that her pleasure was forever done. She would be happy no more. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mama Phoenix done fucked her up and she was like, nope, I'll never be happy again. So Charles did end their relationship. And that was that. Rhoda dropped her basket, a.k.a. lost her goddamn mind. At the time, Illinois was in the rudimentary stages of caring for people with mental and emotional issues. And in 1851, the Illinois State Hospital for the Insane opened in Jacksonville. So as Rhoda's behavior worsened, her father took her there in 1856. And the Quincy Weekly Herald would later report... In 1856, she became unmanageable. She was taken to Jacksonville, and while there, the authorities could not keep the doors of her room locked, nor could they keep her tied with ropes. They would lock the doors at night, but in the morning, Rhoda would be out in the yard walking about. When asked who let her out, she would say, Mrs. Phoenix. When the keeper of the asylum brought her back, she said she was not insane, but she did not know what was the matter with her. She was like the man referred to in the New Testament who lived among the tombs. Oof. So the newly formed asylum and its doctors had no answers for anyone with issues this severe, and there was no system for long-term care. So after two years, according to state law, quote-unquote incurables were all to be sent back home to their families. So Rhoda was sent home in 1858, and Jacob and Rachel did their absolute best to care for Rhoda, but they were ill-equipped, and it was just too much. At the time, the only remaining option for an incurable was the almshouse or the county poorhouse, which we have here, Mm -hmm. Edgefield. Yep. Um, A last chance residence for the destitute, but little else, and certainly no care, especially for the mentally ill. So on September 3rd, 1860... The now 25-year-old Rhoda was admitted to the Adams County Alms House. Now, the house was built in 1820 to care for the poor of Adams County, which is one mile from the Gettysburg on the Harrisburg Turnpike. The Alms House property included 270 acres of land, which, like all poor houses, was worked for the institution's benefit. There were there was farming, there were vegetables, and so a lot of those things were A, to feed the people there, and then B, to sell to make money. Yeah. And the people who lived there worked the land. So um, the original complex consisted of three buildings, the almshouse proper, 
the infirmary, and the old insane hospital. And the capacity of these structures was 125 people. And I'm sure none of you will be shocked when I say that the almshouse treated Rhoda and other patients inhumanely. And for more, uh, for more than four decades, Rhoda endured conditions and treatment unsuitable for an animal, Ooh. much less a human being. Uh. The almshouse held 101 inmates, 36 of whom were considered insane paupers. But none of them were as severe as Rhoda. She would tear off her clothes, eat anything she could grab, whether it was edible or fucking not. I'm talking like rocks, wood, leaves, dirt, oh, things. No. Um, and she would frequently harm herself. Oh. So along with the almshouse's regular draconian methods of restraint, they kept Rhoda in a cage-like box known as a Utica crib. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, and it literally looks like a... Look it up. An old wooden crib, like an old, it's a baby crib, but it's got a top on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's just adult size. Oh, boy. Right. Oh, no. But they're also not as deep as a normal baby's crib. Yeah, no. It's like. It's like a coffin. And a crib. Crib had combined. A, had a horrific torture device of a baby. Yes. I don't like it. You shouldn't. I really don't like it. So for years. She lived in a basket of straw filled with her own shit and excrement Mm. and mice. And she was cared for solely by other feeble-minded patients. It kind of reminds me of Blanche Bonnier. Yep. Very, 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 very similar. And when you see the photos of her, yes. Um, And she was beautiful. Anyway, so during this time, her limbs became drawn up until her knees almost touched her chin. And she was in there so long that her muscles became atrophied and it was impossible for her to move either her legs or her hips. So her knees literally drew up to her chin and she stayed that way. She stayed that way. She couldn't ever straighten them out again. Well, because she was in there for so long. That's what happens. Yep. According to Dr. George Zeller's autobiography, and I will get to him in a minute, he said... After a while, the basket of straw was dispensed with and a square box set on her legs. This box had holes in it so that the excretions would drop into a pan beneath. Oh. So now she's not shitting on herself anymore. There's like a a poop hole for all of her stuff to fall beneath. Mice and other vermin crawled into the box, made their nests, and reared their families at the very side of the poor creature. Oh. Under such treatment, her malady became more pronounced. With her long fingernails, she scratched her own eyes out. Oh, With her fists, she beat her face until all her front teeth had been knocked out. Oh, baby. She lost, to a degree, the power of speech. Placed on the floor, she hopped along on her hands, so doubled up that she looked more like a toad than a human being. That is horrifying. There are pictures of her. For so many. I found this one when she was young. Wasn't she beautiful? She was. And it's the the actors. I I also saw those. Yeah. um, That is just heartbreaking. Uh, And I'll, I'll get to it. So anyway. So in 1902. As part of Illinois' push toward mental health reform, a fucking saint of a man named Dr. George Zeller 
was named director of the New Illinois Asylum for the Incurably Insane in Bartonville. Now, Dr. Zeller was known as a reformer of mental health care, and he did not believe in incurables or the bullshit that went with them. You used to just stick him in a fucking Utica crib yeah, forever. forget about him. Right. So he was told of Rhoda Derry's case. So he went to Adams County for a firsthand glimpse. He came. He saw. He said, fuck that. So when he got back to the asylum in Illinois, he dispatched an official directive to the almshouse saying, send her along. God bless her. Oh, I know. This one gets me. It's awful. And this picture is horrifying. Mm. If it's reported to be her, but not confirmed. It's the one where she's with the short. Yeah. 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 And then there's another one where after he gets a hold of her Mm -hmm. and she's all cleaned up. Mm hmm. Um, and she, she's a version of herself because her hair's grown back out yeah. like, and she's clean, but yeah. So anyway, so when Rhoda got there in September, 1904, she was bathed and set in her own bed for the first time in 44 <laughs> years. And although unable to see or communicate, she was said to have seemed soothed by the delicate hand of care. Oh. I know. So Dr. Zeller would later say, she immediately became the object of solicitude on the part of the nurses, and she had never been a moment out of their sight. No nurse ever complained because of the demands made upon her time for the caring of Rhodey. Oh. I know. The newspapers wrote of her extraordinary case, and Rhoda seemed... Totally nonplussed by the attention, but she would always smile at the sound of Dr. Zeller's voice. (laughs) And when Rhoda Derry died of the galloping consumption on October 9th, 1906, one day short of her 72nd birthday, Dr. Zeller would later say, The nurses who cared for her in life were at the side of the grave when last honors were paid her. And when they returned to their duties, instead of feeling a great burden was lifted from their hands, all were crying. The impression of a humane service, dutifully rendered, has shed its halo about them, and the institution is better for having cared for her. The state is better for the knowledge that justice was finally done, this long-neglected woman. Rhoda Derry was laid to rest under a cement marker labeled simply 217, but 80 years later, her family would put a marble tombstone on top her grave with an epitaph that would have made Dr. Zello zeller proud it says oh god (laughs) god damn it okay okay it says they built this place of asylum so that no other humid oh fuck me god bless it okay i can do this all right they built this place of asylum so that no other human would suffer as you you taught us to love and feel compassion toward the less fortunate May you find peace and warmth in God's arms. And that is the sad story of Rhoda Derry, her grandma witch, and the almshouse that is actually located in Gettysburg and is incredibly fucking haunted. Oh fucking bet. By the way. I recorded the whole episode, you guys. I I am so fucking glad. (laughs) Good job, buddy. I... uh... Good job. I ate dinner 
real quick because I have another recording after You're out of you. breath for and it, I didn't too. frost anything. Okay. And well, I came up here, kept doing my work, and then someone fucking, dude, comic in town named Shrista. She's also a hip-hop artist, runs a, a show at uh, Kelly's Olympian. And Fun. Through a lot of very dramatic turns, they, they asked for everybody's address in a W-9 so they can send us all checks. Oh, okay. They sent all the checks to her. Oh, okay. She's she... been driving around all day. Oh, giving God. everyone checks? Giving everyone their checks. She just got to my house. Oh, okay. She left at one today to drop off all these That's checks. That's a lot of checks, bro. Or it's a lot of driving. A lot of driving because it's traffic. Can't we mail people? Can't they be mailed? That's why they That's why they got our address so they can mail them. But they <laughs> sent them all to her. But she can't get your address and mail it to you? She was just, she just wanted to get it out. She's, Fair enough. She's fucking done. She's done. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So, anyway, sorry to hijack that. That's why I'm out of breath. It's been a lot of up and down the stairs. And I'm fat, which isn't, you know, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, that is the sad story of Rhoda Derry. Very um, sad. The uh, Dr. Zeller's a fucking saint of a badass motherfucker. And um, the haunted. Almshouse. So when the Civil War came to Gettysburg, mm-hmm. the, there was a battle actually on the grounds of the almshouse. And the barn at the almshouse was used as a hospital. I'm not sure if it was Confederate or um, or uh, Union. Union. Thank you. Welcome. But it was used as a Civil War hospital. Oh. Um, but any hoops. So, yeah. And then Mall Dairy, who I know that name. I knew that name. Um, but, uh Yeah. You know, she was one of the most famous witches, the whole powwow thing that yeah. we've talked about before. So, yeah. Sweet little Rhoda. Wasn't she pretty? She was. She was fucking beautiful. But who knows? Did Mrs. Phoenix curse her? Because all of a sudden, everything was great. Yeah. Until Mama Phoenix said, oh, I'm sorry. Your grandma's a witch, so you can't marry my son. And if you tr- I'm going to curse you. And then Rhoda lost her shit. So did she or didn't she? Or or was she, you know, schizophrenic comes in your late teens, early 20s, right? Yeah. Or was she already going to be who the fuck knows? Uh, Anyway, my sources are PeoriaMagazine.com, Phil Luciano, Vocal Media, CM, Historical Society of Quincy and Adams Counties, Iris Nelson, SherryGranado.wordpress.com, Sherry Granado, Adams County Alms House History, and Gettysburg Times. Motherfucking com. Yeah. So that's the very sad but sweet story of Rhoda Derry and her Granny Witch Mall. My goodness. Yeah. Interessante. Interessante. Indeed, indeed. Indeed. Well, yeah. We did it. We did. We done done it. We did done do we it. We did done do it. He's but, got shit to do. But first. I'm tired, so but good. first. Same. One thing, I forgot to write this down. Oh, good. But uh, one of our listeners, Nicole, yes. sent us a video on the TikTok, mm-hmm. ye old clock app. Oh, the clock app. I like it. Because it was someone... Uh, giving the definitions of Shlemiel and Shlomazel. 
So yeah. I will read. I will read them. Shamazo. Because Incorporated. I forgot to do that earlier. So apparently, Shamil is an inept, clumsy person, a bungler, adult. What's a shlamazel? A shlamazel is a chronically unlucky person. Okay. The difference between a shlamiel and a shlamazel is described through the aphorism, the shlamiel spills his soup on the shlamazel. So the shlamiel's always the spiller, the shlamazel's always the lap soup lander. Okay. And then Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated was the brewery they worked at. Sure. Right? I don't know. I don't think so. Are we sure? I'm going to look. Because they worked at a brewery. Yes, they did. And uh, they were on the bottling line. Yes, they were. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, how dare you? Just tell. No, that is not my question. Shots Brewery. Shots Brewery. Then yes. what's Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated? Why do you keep asking me this question? I don't know. You had the first two fucking answers. That was the only question I asked last time. That's why. That's why I had that answer. Because someone else gave it to me because that was my question. Not the rest so of it. So does Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated own Shots Brewery? I, I think you are continuing to ask questions that she doesn't have the answer to. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that you're putting too much thought into it. I don't think it has anything to do with the brewery they worked at. By the way, every time that show came on and they go through the intro, I thought they were saying Salt and Pepper Incorporated. I was like, that's a weird name <laughs> oh, for a company. I'm 90-ish percent certain it's Haas and Pfeffer. Oh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I'm not I, misheard it. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, so wait, is it Salt and Pepper Incorporated? When it's I not. was growing up, I would watch a ton of Nick at Night. Laverne and Shirley was mm-hmm. one of those shows. So I did grow up on a lot of like Gen X shows. And uh, that was, I've watched a lot of Laverne and Shirley. So yeah. Salt and Pepper Incorporated in my dumb right? 10 year old <laughs> brain was what was happening. Except I am old enough to have watched it when it was actually I on. Know. But do you know, I am so old, you guys, that I actually remember being in my high chair and hearing the theme song to Bewitched because it was actually like on. This is not a Nick and Knight situation. It was like on. Mm-hmm. That would have been the second incarnation of Darren then, right? The second Darren? I don't, I was Darren in a high chair, two. bro. Darren too. I yeah. was in high chair, I couldn't tell you. But this, I just remember this show started in the sixties. The theme song came on, yeah. So yeah. it had to have been because I mean, so I was born in seventy two, so, yeah, so I was in a high two. chair. So I was probably between one and two. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. Darren number two. Yeah. I just remember fighting to turn around because I wanted, like, I knew that was my jam. Oh sure. And I remember watching like Star Trek. Okay. Because my mom was an OG Star Trek watcher, like with you know Shatner. This doesn't. My equivalent of that is I have been watching South Park since it premiered. I was eight years old. Okay. I'm old. You're God. fine. Yes, I am. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember watching Welcome Back, Cotter, Taxi. Oh, dude. MASH. Taxi's great. I never got into MASH. My mom, my mom's favorite show is Taxi. I don't know that I like necessarily like got into MASH. I just remember as a kid being at Love Boat. Oh, followed sure. by fucking Fantasy Island. Clearly, I got Excuse into me. MASH. Yes, you cl- fucking clearly did. Bad. Only slightly. I got real into Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's The good. original okay. Scooby-Doo. Okay. Love, Never. Fucking, okay. love the original Scooby-Doo. But anything pre-scrappy. Mwah. Yeah. I remember I Dream of Jeannie. Yep. Hang on. Yeah, uh-huh. when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Yep. So, 
oh god, what with was the, it? with the major? Yeah, major major Dan. No, is that, uh, is that uh, Forrest Gump? That's uh, yeah, Lieutenant Gump, Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Uh, Tony, no, Major Tony. No, that was his real name. God damn it! <laughs> no, Tony. Both Tony of sounds right. Sons Tony. Of yeah. And then he had his homie that was like the womanizer. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of them kind of work. What was his name? Who gives a shit? What was his <sighs> Tony? Captain slash Major Tony Nelson. Tony Nelson. Played by oh. Roger. Roger. His friend's name was Roger. Roger Healy. Uh-huh. Roger Healy. To- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, we done done it, y'all. <laughs> we did. And to answer your question, there is no answer to your question that I can find. Someone oh, tell the, me. The company they work Someone- for? Someone- the company they worked for is entirely unrelated to the par- lyric Shlemiel, of the song. Shlemazel. We already got Hoss that part. Pfeffer Incorporated. Someone tell me what the fuck that is. So, anyway, we done done it, y'all. We did. Uh, y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. Share, share, share. If you'd like some exclusive motherfucking content, go become a patron on our little patron. Take it away there, Randall, on the ones and twos. So they worked at Schott's Brewery. I already said that. <laughs> oh, okay. I missed that part. I'm sorry. You were here and responded to it. And? I'm sorry. We're all tired. Do you think my brain is better than yours? Yeah. No. I do. No. No, no. <laughs> I'm rolling on like three hours sleep. Oh, so. I'm hard same. I'm like, but still fucking. Finish your thing. Just stick me in a Utica crib right now. Oh, no, please. No. Don't you start with me. It's already. Been <laughs> <laughs> it's already been brought in. Oh, we a little loopy. Okay. Bring it in. Collect my thoughts. It's been Rain a day. Reel it in. Reel it in. <laughs> Please listen to the Anytime Now podcast, Kids History Podcast, where we tell uh, stories about unsung people, places, and events throughout history told in the theater of the mind format with amazing special guest narrators, including uh, Pat Oswald and Adam Ray, and uh, upcoming Alyssa Yeoman, and uh, uh, Mia Jackson, and our very own Noel Masari. That yep. was me. Uh, or he, sorry. Uh, uh, Both. And if you go to the parent company's website, honesthistory.co, and they have a bunch of stuff there, really cool magazines. I, you guys know the shit. All uh, of it. Use the promo code GNH to get yourself 10% off your first purchase. That's GNH, <clears throat> as in. G, as in ghosts. N, as in mm. H, as in HuffPost.com says Haas and Pfeffer is a German stew, and I have no idea why this is part of the ditty, except when you put it all together, you can't help but laugh at how it sounds. <laughs> Thank you. So you there love the me. fuck you go. Go there for she 10% loves off. Me. She <laughs> loves me. <laughs> we already talked about our wedding earlier. We're going to walk we down did. the aisle to November Rain. Yep. Guns and Roses. We're going to sure, need sure. the longest aisle in the history Forever. of time. Sure. Because that yeah. song is a hundred years And long. knowing the two of you, you're going to have trains that are <laughs> just half a mile long. I mean, maybe. I know you both, and it's not a maybe. <laughs> we'll, braid, we'll just braid them together. You are not <laughs> refuting my point in any way. No, rating's not going to help. Why would I? <laughs> Never. I just—I wasn't disagreeing. I was like, yeah. And then, like a hand fasting ceremony, we'll just braid our trains together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit. Image. Y'all are invited. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, uh, uh, um, till next time. You want me to yes. do it? No, I got it. Okay. That's Boy. why you've fallen asleep over I'm, there. Oh, I know. I was, I was fighting hard. Till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Uh, bye. Bye. Hats off Ooh. to the fuck you club. That's all you. Yeah. I mean, I've got some in here, but. Suzanne Von Richtofen. Fuck you. I don't love that she's out of prison. I don't love that she's out of prison. No. Um, and also the fucking doctors that. Dealt with Rhoda Derry and Rhoda Derry. Uh, Mama Phoenix, fuck off. Yeah. You're done. You, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, Kimberly can't read. Like me sometimes. Yeah. Apparently. Fuck you, Bob. Always. Fuck you, Ted. Especially. Fuck you, Gwyneth. Have I Definitely. told you our code name for I Have to Poop? No. I got dudes in my butt. <laughs>